0: It's Genesis 43. Now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had bought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us more food. But Judah said to him, the man warned us solemnly, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you that if you will not send him, we will not go down. Because the man said to us, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? They replied, the man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know, he would say, bring your brother down to us. Then Judah said to his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once, so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you for you must return the silver that was put back in the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once, and may God Almighty grant you mercy before that man, so that he will let your other brother Benjamin, your other brother and Benjamin, come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the men took the gifts and double the amount of silver and Benjamin also, They hurried to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened (laughs) when they were taken to his house. They thought, we were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us (laughs) and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. (laughs) So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance to the house. "We, We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight, in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys they prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon, because they had heard that they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. He asked them how they were, and then he said, How is your aged father that you told me about? Is he still living? They replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well, And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. And he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son. He asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and, controlling himself, said, Serve the food. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to the Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. The famine here is used by God in multiple ways. First of all, the famine is used to get Joseph to his position as the Grand Vizier of Egypt. Second of all, it's used by God to bring Jacob's family down to Egypt the first time, the twelve, the, the ten boys, and then finally it's used here a second time to bring them back. They would never have come back the second time. Joseph had put Simeon in prison, but Jacob was refusing to let Benjamin go down. But because of the famine, they finally are forced into it. And then we see... Judah has changed. Remember, we had that chapter 38, which looked like an interruption, and we see that Judah's behavior is just so wild and crazy, but now he's changed. He takes responsibility for the situation. He's willing to, to say to his father, I will guarantee the boy's return. And he's willing to, you know, to, to put his life on the line over this. And we see that that later on Jesus. He's called the Lion of Judah, named after this tribe of Judah. And we see Jesus, you know, who takes responsibility, not just for the life of one person, but for the life of all. Judah took responsibility for the life of one, but Jesus takes responsibility for the life of all. And interestingly, you know, the the brothers of Joseph have no care for um, the sons of Rachel, you know, Joseph, and Benjamin, but now through the process of time, they've changed. So now, not only, you know, is that whole issue of hating their brother put behind them, but now they actually stand up, take responsibility, and Judah guarantees the return of his brother Benjamin, even though Benjamin's the favourite. And isn't it amazing how God uses circumstances to change us? You know, I'm I'm reminded how. Um, you know, there's a story in the New Testament of, of a storm and the disciples are in the boat and the circumstances are bad and they're afraid. And Jesus is walking on the water and Peter, the circ- you know, he puts his eyes on Christ and he walks through the circumstances. But then there comes a moment when he takes his eyes off Jesus and he looks at the circumstances and he sinks. And I think that the, the Lord is so marvellous that you know, he puts circumstances into our lives and while ever our eyes are on him, on Jesus, we can walk through the circumstances and we're changed. We become better. And, uh, but if our eyes are on the circumstances and not on the Lord, they get us. And I just think it's amazing how you know through these circumstances, in this whole Joseph story, it works out to change the people in the story for better. And uh, I think it's quite remarkable. And uh, the Lord, you know, he watches over us. Here in this story, we've now got Joseph who's watching over his brothers. You know, they were, they were terrified because they thought they have been taken to his house and they think he's going to attack us. And, and of course, then Joseph puts the food out. He lines all the brothers up in age order and he gives Benjamin five times as much food. And they're thinking, oh, my gosh, how does he know so much about us? It's almost as though he was big brother. And, you know, in our society, we sometimes talk about, you know, big brother. You know, we're being watched over by Google and by, you know, the government. And on the internet, everything you do is not a secret. We, we worry about who knows what information about us. But here in the Bible, Joseph does actually know everything about them. And of course, they're worried about it. But he actually is their brother. He's literally their big brother because he's their brother. And in this story, he cares for them. And, you know, we have a big brother too. It's the Lord. Jesus Christ, he's our big brother and he cares for us and he feeds us. He brings us to his house. Like Joseph brought his brothers to his house and fed them. Jesus brings us to his house and he feeds us. It's astounding. I'm just astounded at how Jesus is in the Old Testament, how he appears in all these different places. And um, I'm so grateful for all that God does. Now, there's one more thing that, I, that I've that i noticed in the story of Joseph and his brothers, and I am just astounded by the wisdom of God. You know that when Abraham wanted to get a wife for his son, he got a wife from his family in a faraway land and did not get a wife from Canaan. When Isaac wanted to get a wife for Jacob, he sent Jacob away so that Jacob would not get a wife from Canaan. And the reason for that is the Canaanite tribes were so corrupted you can't believe how corrupted they were sacrificing their children to god's child sacrifice was all over the place they were evil they were lawless and god did not want the descendants of israel to intermarry and mix with the canaanites and um because of how evil they were and we have this one chapter In the middle of the Joseph story where Judah, one of the sons of Jacob, takes a wife from a Canaanite. And you can see the craziness that erupts in his own family from that. Well, imagine if Jacob and and all the 12 sons had never gone to Egypt. Imagine they had stayed in the land and started marrying amongst all the Canaanites. There There would be no children of Israel. They would have been very influenced and it would have been the end of the story. In fact, the end of salvation history. But when the day that Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt, was well, the Lord was so in it. And now we've got all of the brothers coming. They're starting to come down to Egypt. And in this story, we see that the, the Egyptians would not eat with them because they were detestable. So eventually, in the next few chapters, as the whole family moves down to Egypt, they're in a position where they cannot marry with the Egyptians because the Egyptians think they're detestable. So they're like in this one place where the only options they've got is to marry within their own family and over the chapters that are to follow, they are solidified into a nation, the nation of Israel. They're not a nation that has any land yet, but they're a nation. And I just see the wisdom of God. And the Lord said to Abraham, he says, you're going to be enslaved by a nation. For 400 years, you're going to be in a foreign land. But it was necessary because if they hadn't remained in Canaan, it, they could not have become a nation. They had to leave and they had to come back. I think the Lord is so amazing. So, you know, in that moment that Joseph was sold into slavery, the Lord was at work and all of salvation history was happening. Jacob was, you know, grieving, but the Lord was in it. So when, Jacob's, when Joseph says to his brothers in a chapter we haven't got to yet, that what you intended for evil, the Lord intended for good. Even Joseph had no idea how much good the Lord really intended. And the same for us. The Lord is so at work in our lives and we have no idea the good that he intends. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the good that you were working in the situation through the craziness, through the slavery, through the forcing them to leave Canaan, Lord. Lord, you're so marvellous. We can hardly get our minds around the wonder of it all. And Lord, thank you for working in our lives too through the obvious good, and through the things we don't understand as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you for it all. Thank you for the difficulty. Thank you that you're in it. Thank you for the good that's coming out of it. We appreciate it so much. Jesus